0: Good morning. For those of you who are visiting, my name's Jim, and I'll be uh, privileged to bring a message today. Uh, give me a moment to get uh, set up here in my electronic device. I've got a number of them. Yeah. Well, some of them are hidden. Two ear devices (laughs) called hearing aids. I had to take one off to get this device on. So someone who's electronically challenged, we'll see how this goes. I want to welcome our visitors today. Bless you for being here. What an opportunity uh, to be together in a common bond of worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? Yeah. I think there's a psalm that says how sweet it is to be together with the brethren. (coughs) And it is. And uh, Scott makes a special effort to try to make us all feel welcomed here and uh, a part of something greater than ourselves. That's the kingdom of God. So this morning, um, we are perpetuating the Ministry of Reconciliation. The mission of O.B. Joyful Church has been started back in the early 80s with a bunch of elders up in uh, Washington Gulch uh, in a little cabin that we took for a retreat on. And we prayed and we sought the Lord and said, Father, and this was just as we were creating uh, O.B. Joyful, or God was uh, making it happen here in the community. And there, in that weekend of retreat, um, God laid on our heart the Second Corinthians uh, chapter five passage about the ministry of reconciliation, and ever since that we have taken that on to be the heartthrob of what God wants to do through us in our community and in the world at large. Um, and so um, Scott has has uh, in the last three years uh, put put together a DNA for us that is the expression of the Ministry of Reconciliation. How does the Ministry of Reconciliation be manifested? And he came up with four four ways that that came out of uh, his background and and who we are here in Crested Butte. And he uh, brought that we are the the light, the heat and the light. Is that up there? Yeah? Heat and light? Yeah? That uh, we go together, uh, that... um, that we're in this process of reconciliation together and that in community that we find reconciliation. Um, Scott's going to be bringing the word again to us and we abide, we abide together, we abide in Jesus. In John 15, um, if I abide in you and you abide in me, you're going to bear a lot of fruit. A lot of good things are going to come out of that relationship. This morning, we're going to be addressing a... Fourth area, and it's um, part of the DNA, and it's that we pass the baton. And I was I was uh, uh, excited about we pass the baton uh, idea because in my mind I wanted to take it to um, transition. What we've been about over the last five years of transitioning from my ministry to Scott's ministry and leadership here at OB Joyful. But that's not what passing the baton is about. Passing the baton is about sharing the gospel and passing on the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. More uh, specifically, it's in empowering and directing ourselves and others to go out and share the truth of the gospel and to directing, empowering ourselves and others to grow in Christ and into maturity. That's passing the baton. We want to be used to take the good news into our community, to our families, and to the World around us, and God has created some really wonderful ways to do that. In Ephesians chapter four, it says this because this is how typically we we think about um, individuals of being sent out and going into the world or into the marketplace of the community. Uh, to express the good news of Jesus. It's called maybe the professional ministers. And it comes out of, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the, evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now these are positions some people call them staff positions within the church, places of ministries. What's the one up there that typically you think of is the one that goes out to proclaim the good news, the evangelist, right? And so we want the we want to hire or have on staff Billy Graham types that are going out and proclaiming and passing on the baton of the good word of salvation through Christ. And we've created a false culture within the church of passing the buck onto these types. And not all of us, some of us have abrogated our personal responsibility that what God would, yes, wants to use the evangelist and does, and Billy Graham is an incredible uh, example, and others like him, uh, Billy Sunday, that have gone out and just proclaimed and had an incredible international uh, experience of bringing the gospel to others. But God had a better idea, I think. And that was to use you. Through a very, very simple process, but profound process called discipleship. You don't think, well, discipleship, I think it's about getting people to grow up in Christ and, and teaching them specifically. Well, no, it's more about going out and taking everything that God's given you and sharing that, passing it on to others. Let me give you a. Uh, um, well, before I give you a working definition, maybe of discipleship. If we go to First Peter, Second First Peter, Chapter Two, or a Peter passage there. Back. See, this is where the ministry is much greater than for Positions within the church. Because God has made you, each and every one of you here, special. And as Scott has preached in the past, he's given you each a gift to use for ministry. But you, OBJ, people of our community seeking God and fellowshipping with him, are chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you might declare his praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you not re- have received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are really the, the army that goes. The other four, yes, are team leaders that help us specifically, but it's to get us the body of Christ out into the world, into the community, into our families. So the focus this morning is on discipleship as the means of passing the baton. And we have this kind of A definition, not the definition of discipleship, okay? A definition. It's a process whereby a teacher-student relationship is established between two or more people for the purpose of being used of God to further the message of the good news of Jesus, Jesus baptizing those who receive that message by faith, therefore identifying them outwardly and publicly with Jesus. This is then combined with instructions to obey everything that Jesus taught and commanded, aided by and through the empowering presence of Jesus. Like, oh, that was exhausting. Can uh, you shorten that down a little bit, Jim? No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> If I could have, I would have. But that's what I came up with. So. <laughs> uh, did you get that picture there? It's a process. Discipleship is a process. I said it was a simple and very effective process. And that kind of sounded maybe a little bit complicated. But no. And I say it's simple if and only if. So it's a great qualifier. If and only if God has called you into that, which he has. And God is a part of that in the empowering His empowering presence enables us to go into this work of discipleship. Because when he's at work in us, abiding in us and us abiding in him, something happens um, that's a miracle of making something that could be very complicated become incredibly simple, bound up in a relationship with another person. I say it becomes complicated if he's not involved in it, because think about just think about relationships. Are they simple or are they complicated? She's well, both sometimes they're incredible. When there's relationships really simple? when you love each other, I think that's one of the, one of the clarifying uh, works of God when he Brings love into relationship. Relationships really work well. But you take that out. And then they get messy and go, ugh. It's like I can be really messed up sometimes. Because they can become filled with complicated and qualifying qualifications. There's many unanswered questions regarding the relationships. There's innumerable circumstances, variables, and weaknesses in either of the people in any relationship, or there not. And who's smart enough to figure any one individual out? We can't figure ourselves out, more or less another person. And so without Christ and him abiding in us, it is very complicated, but with him, he simplifies it, and he's able to reduce a lot of complicated matters into simple processes, So we're going to talk about discipleship this morning, it being a very effective form of evangelism without having the gift of evangelism. That would be me. I have a terrible record in evangelism. I was here 23 years preaching and teaching and giving altar calls and inviting people into the kingdom of God. You don't see any notches on my belt. (laughs) But in terms of discipleship, I have been blessed with 23 years of doing it on a regular basis, even unbeknownst to me, which is even a greater glory to God. So we're going to look at the passage this morning comes out of Matthew 28. We're going to read it. It's going to give us a basis for discipleship. And it's a vast subject and can be very complicated and it has some stringent boundaries to it that can make it difficult for us to walk in if it wasn't for Jesus who then turns those complications into simple relationships. And it reads this way. And the 11 disciples went into Galilee, into the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. That's a sermon, huh? He had all these people with him for three years, day in and day out, watched miracles. Saw him die as he prophesied. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead as he prophesied. The scripture spoke too. Showed himself, proved himself, ate fish with him. And here they are, doubting again. Hey, humans are complicated, aren't we? And he said this to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And although I am with you, always, even to the end of the earth. So we're going to look at this passage here and look at four different components. But first we need to maybe create another definition, and that is, what is the disciple? If you're going to go make disciples, you've got to know what a disciple is. Maybe even before that, in order to do that, you need to be a disciple in order to go make disciples. But a disciple is simply, in the simplest terminology, is one who is a student. He's a learner. What are some other words that describe a student or a learner? Apprentice? A newbie to the job site? You know, there's all sorts of, in the world, terms that reflect what Scripture referred to as a disciple, a student. And so we need to begin there and look at what a disciple is in order to know what we're making going out to make disciples. Because we're to go out into all the nations to make disciples. So you have to know what a disciple is, and they're a student. In our context, they're a student of what? They're a student of Jesus, of Christ himself. We're going to look at four areas here, and rather than looking at what a disciple is, we need to look at the disciple-making, because that's what the text refers to. The emphasis is not on being a disciple here in this text, but on making disciples. And the four aspects in the text that reflect the first is, who is it that gets disciple-making going? The four positions of the church, the evangelist, the apostle, the prophet, pastor, teacher, The text says, all authority has been given to who? Christ. Christ alone. He's the one that sends out and gives the message, and he may use all those four positions to encourage people to go out into the world, us, the body of Christ, the royal chosen people, to go out and be disciple-makers. He is the one, though, he is the authority behind you. I get this picture of authority in Colossians 1:15. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether the thrones and powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. In him all, have, all things are held together and he is the head of the body the church he is the beginning the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have supremacy for god was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him jesus and through him reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross and that's the gospel there contained in a nutshell supremacy above all things that implies great authority yeah? And so it is with, with great authority that Christ spoke to his disciples and says, the Father has given me authority to send you. And in John chapter 20, there was a passage where Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So well, it's with great authority and the authority of Christ that we are sent out to be disciple-makers and making of disciples. We're going to come back to the idea of not only having the authority of Christ with, over us to go out, but we have his presence, which comes at the end of the verse. The second aspect of the verse the verses here in Matthew 28 is for us to uh, go in a specific way into specific peoples. He says, to some people or to go into all nations. And when the word nations there, it's not referring to, uh, let's go to Russia, let's go. He's got all people groups, all people groups of the world. There's no discrimination by which the gospel is to go out to. It is true, in Romans chapter 1, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation, first to the Jew and then also to the Gentile. And there is a priority of the sending out, and Jesus was sent out first unto the Jew, and to raise up the Jews to be sent out unto the Gentiles in proclaiming the gospel of the good news. But it's to all nations, to all people groups, a worldwide endeavor of the church where there is no discrimination and the good news is proclaimed to all. Proclaimed to all. Discipleship becomes an intentional endeavor of the body of Christ. Interesting in this passage here, there's not an extensive, there's not an extensive Manual for Making Disciples. There's not a big book of disciple-making, though you can go out and buy one today here. The church will provide you with a manual for disciple-making. Interestingly, Jesus here did not give a manual for disciple-making. I thought that was interesting. But he did give two directives concerning disciple-making and one promise Two directives and one promise. And the first directive was what? Was to go as you go. And, and the word go there has dual meaning. One is uh, intentionally go to a specific place that you're called to. Like Philip was uh, uh, called to Samaria. And then from Samaria he was called into the desert to talk to the Ethiopian prince. And there was specific call. And he had to go because he was called to go. Paul was sent. And he was to go to specific places. But more um, broad based is the word used as you go. And as you live life, as you walk along through the course of your day, is there someone in a relation, that you can be in a relationship with by which you can further the kingdom of God, the gospel message, and to encourage people in their walk with Christ or bring them into a relationship with Christ? So as you go through life, since this is something we can all do, you don't have to become a missionary. You don't have to be like Lisa and be going to Thailand, which is a wonderful place that she's being called to with some others, to go and to do this, a form of discipleship. A form, because there's many forms of it. You can go just where you go throughout the course of your day. And in that, you're going to have relationships with people that you can be intentionally in furthering the gospel in their lives. The second thing, well, the baptism was the first, as you go, now that's not something you're going to think about. Okay, let's see, along as I go through the course of my day, hey, there's Vince. Vince, have you been baptized yet? You probably wouldn't start there. some evangelists might, I don't know, but um, we probably would go to the relational aspect first and create that relationship with them and begin to teach what Christ has taught because that's the second directive. We do want to baptize at some point because baptism becomes the outward and public manifestation of the gospel at work in the heart of an individual. has received the truth of faith by faith of Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And baptism then becomes that outward. And we want to encourage, and at OB Joyful, we want to encourage baptism as a part of a disciple making process. Because it identifies the individual then with Christ. With Christ. The second um, directive is Teaching. Teaching. You know, one of the ladies in this church that I have some of the greatest respect for is Lisa Hart here. This woman is a disciple-maker of many sorts, of many sorts, both in the secular world and in the Christian community. She has been a youth minister and has been a disciple-maker of of youth for years, and she's still doing that undercover at (laughs) at the school. But she's been a student-teacher role relationship for how many years at the community school? Ten. Ten. And every day she has disciples that she stands before. Students, learners, some resistant, some more eager to learn. And she does that. She does that in math. She does that in science. You've done that in music. You've done that in... The wood shop. Wood shop. <laughs> that is hairy. She... Well, she has done it in the woods um, as a Knowles leader, a national outdoor leadership. Um, She was a certified trainer there. And so she had disciples that she'd take into the woods to train about survival in the outdoors. Those are all disciple-making type of opportunities that are non-spiritual outwardly, but can be all made spiritual when the person discipling has a heart for Christ and is praying for all those students when she is doing things to lift them up to a better place and giving them knowledge. Rosie is a disciple maker in character camp. There's all forms of disciple making that take place in our community, some more direct than others. I want to to encourage you today that the disciple-making process is not as complicated as we want to make it and as some systems are set up to make it, but it is a very simple process of desiring a relationship with another person to take them to a better place in Christ. Amen? It's intentional. It's prayerful. And the fourth... The the fourth aspect of this verse here in Matthew 28 is that you never go, you never ever go, and you don't want to ever go alone to do disciple-making because that's when it gets really complicated. I mean, we're just so weak as human beings and needy people ourselves to think that we have enough together to go out and say, hey, you want to be my student? I know something, you don't. Let me teach you. The last part of the verse, which is wonderful. Back on Matthew 28. And surely, read it with me. And surely I am with you always. God, through Christ, never calls us or gives us a command or something to do without willing to go with us and empower us to be able to do what he calls us to do. He's a team player. In Exodus, I'm going to close with this, in Exodus 33, there's a great passage where Moses is taking the people, have taken them out of uh, Egypt and moving them to the promised land. And God, in chapter 33, creates a voice, and he says, Moses, I, I want you to lead these people now into the promised land where I have told you to go, and I'm going to send an angel before you to tear down the Amorites and all these uh, people groups so that you can just make your way there, and you're going to be victorious over them. And Moses goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, <laughs> paraphrased. <laughs> he says, I hear you that where you want me to go, and I'm wanting to go, okay, but God, please do not ever send me up anywhere, any place without you going with me. Oh, will you please go with me? And God certainly did. A cloud by day, a fire by night, and he directed them step by step and he took them into the promised land and he was with them. From beginning to end, he was with them and he's with us. He's with the church. He's with you in making disciples and furthering the kingdom of God and the message and the good news of Jesus Christ, God's love for this world, our community, our family. We've had wonderful expressions of discipleship taking place unnoticed. Um, I noticed it this morning with uh, Sadie Olson. She was one of the little girls, five young people that were in the middle of the aisle, and she was praising Jesus. She was taught that somewhere. Where'd she get that? She followed in some example. Hmm, mom and dad, OBJ. It comes in many ways and many forms. We want to make sure that when we go out, however we go out, in the making of disciples that we want to include baptism, that we want to include all the teachings of Christ and his commandments, encourage people to obey them, but to go out with the presence because you don't want to go alone. Too easy to screw up. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, you have not left to the few the great commission, as it's often referred to, found in these verses in Matthew 28. You have called all of your people, the priesthood, the chosen ones, us. Not in arrogance or pride, but in humble submission to your calling in our lives to obey you and to take the great gift that you have, we have received and to pass it on, to pass it on to others. I love the passage in Corinthians it says, for he who was rich became poor for us who were poor so that we might become rich. Would we dare to give up our riches for the spiritually poor? For we are rich in Christ. Christ. Are we willing to share those riches with our family members, our community, the world around us? I say, come. Come see. Come follow the Lord Jesus. Learn of him. He's meek and he's gentle. And he has great things for us. Forgiveness of sins and abundant life a life free of guilt and shame, condemnation, one with hope, a future, unto eternity. Oh, Father, take these verses and let them uh, sit in our hearts. Let us dwell on them this week. Let us consider how you would have us to go out, be it along the way or specifically to a place. And when you do, would you uh, for sure, please, we beg you, go with us. That you be glorified and honored. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen and amen. amen. Lord bless you. You have a great day. Careful on the mountain. Powder, powder skiing.